Hi folks, um, hope you're doing well. Um, essentially what we're going to look at today is Act 1, Scene 3. Um, what I would like you to do is to make sure that you've got your text in front of you, that you've got paper, that you've got pen, that you've got the answers to the questions um, that I asked you to um, answer in advance of this discussion. Um, it might also be quite useful for you to have a look at the recording on Digital Theatre Plus. Um, what I would recommend that you do is in advance of these talks is to log on. So it's Digital Theatre Plus. The logon is my email address and then the password is cmason121, all lowercase. If you log in and you type in Anthony and Cleopatra into the search bar, there is the RSC production. Um, it might be worthwhile in advance to watch those scenes before we then discuss them because it will make it a little bit easier because we're not there face to face to talk through it in class. Um, so if you wanna have a little read through, look at your answers, watch that scene, press stop at this recording, and then once you've done that, press start again um, where I'm going to go through um, some key notes for you to add to your own texts. Okay so um, Act 1 scene 3 opens in Cleopatra's palace um, and what's interesting is Cleopatra's lying, see where he is, who's with him and what he does, that emphatic threatening triple um, suggests that she's openly deceitful and what's interesting is that this takes place in in public in the royal court um is Shakespeare implying that by its very nature um there is corruption at the heart of this setting um it also su suggests her duplicitous nature um that exists both public and private um and that this intimate relationship is actually courtly knowledge um yeah, so that's the first little bit. There is also something quite funny about the fact that she um, openly lies and is openly, openly manipulative in the sound dancing if and worse report that I'm sudden sick, quick in return. Um, that she's also quite forward thinking um, and that actually her plan is somewhat essentially exciting for an audience to listen to. Um, Charmian's response, you know, you do not hold the method to enforce the like from him, suggests that, you know, manipulation is not key to love. Um, and again, we, we were talking in the lesson before that Ina Barbas and Antony's relationship seems to be not necessarily the most appropriate as such in terms of that they don't really adhere to rank or to status. Um, and it's echoed structurally in the relationship between this queen and her lady in wedding as well. Um, Cleopatra disregards Charmian's response, you know, thou teachest like a fool the way to lose him. Um, it suggests that she's actually quite stubborn in nature as well. Um, so when Antony comes in, um, Cleopatra feigns illness. I am sick and sullen. Um, help me away, I shall fall. It cannot be thus long. The size of nature will not sustain it. And what we see is that she's actually a great liar and a very formidable actor. There's a sense of maybe melodrama um, and attention-seeking. Um, she's trying to kind of get Antony's uh, focus because his focus has went elsewhere. Um, as previously mentioned, it was a Roman thought. Um, now, this exchange between Antony and Cleopatra themselves 
could be quite comic. Um, Anthony can't get a word in edgewise. Um, and the comedy comes from the uh, constant interruptions, if you look at the hyphens, um, and that she changes quite quickly um, from, you know, feigning sickness to then essentially kind of attacking him um, and saying, I have no power upon you, hers you are. Um, there's a sense of kind of emotional manipulation from that. Um, the dramatic irony in that bit is that we know that Fulvia is dead, whereas Cleopatra is unaware at this point um she doesn't give him a chance to talk if we look at the next line you know the the gods best know oh never was their queen so mightily betrayed uh that declaration of woe um at the first i saw the treasons planted even the references to that pronoun you know why should i think you can be mine though you in swearing shake the throne of gods who have been false to fulvia um that rhetorical question she kind of throws it back at him she's like you know how can i believe a liar when ultimately you were lying to your wife um and the real hypocrisy there um arguably could create an element of criticism um from the audience towards cleopatra's character um but this scene's really fast-paced. There's lots of dialogue. There's lots of irritation and interruption. And actually what we see at the heart of it is um, a woman who's in charge of this relationship. Um, that real dominance that she has in uh, not only the romantic relationship, but this, remember, happens in public court. Um, and it really stresses her kind of cunning and her emotional manipulation. Um, and actually, there is something quite likable about that, um, even though we realise she's she's not really rational at this point. It's more emotional. Um, and it's worthwhile just putting a little note at that, because that's one of the central themes that we'll come back to um, at a later point. Um, he tries to kind of sweet talk her, you know, most sweet queen. He's trying to calm her down. He's trying to placate her in many ways. Um, and Cleopatra throws it back in his face. You know, pray you seek no colour for your going, but bid farewell and go. She's like, just get out of here right now. Um, you know, th this is it. This seems very contemporary in terms of a, a domestic argument, if we think about it. Um, she gives us some echoes in terms of language of Act 1, Scene 1. So she says, when you sued staying, then there was time for words. No going then. Eternity was in our lips and eyes, bliss in our brows bent. Like the language there is essentially saying, um, you know, earlier on when you were talking about how much you love me, there was no time limit there. And now you're suddenly in a rush to leave. Um, and that's very reminiscent of, you know, when he says that I needs to set boundaries for new heaven, new earth. Um, that timelessness, you know, what sport, I'll not read the letter, let's just focus on the here and now. Um, all of those different things are stressed. Um, and that lovely contrast um, in her language when she says, the greatest soldier of the world art turned the greatest liar. Um, and the kind of contrast that's evoked in that language of um, honour and dishonour um, and, and a kind of fall at that point is stressed. And that's really different compared to the language that was used to describe Antony um, in, in Act 1, Scene 1. Um, and then eventually Antony does get a word in. He says, hear me, Queen. The colon maybe suggests that he's paused to kind of wait to see if she shuts up, essentially. And she does. Um, so if we have a little look, he essentially, at this point, he um, calms her down. Um, and he says, the strong necessity of time commands our services a while, but my full heart remains in use with you, our Italy. And again, just like at the, at the end of Act 1, Scene 2, he uses that collective pronoun. This is Antony not as the lover speaking, but actually Antony as both the lover and the Roman officer in many ways as well. Um, 
he talks about civil unrest in Rome, uh, the strong necessity of time. In other words, I need to go because there are things happening outside that won't wait. Um, but he says, but my full heart remains in use with you. And actually, this is one of the first times where we we really see Anthony starting to try and um, essentially reconcile his two identities, his Egyptian lover identity and his Roman official identity. Um, and he tries to kind of placate her with that. Um, if we keep on moving down, he describes essentially what's been happening. Um, so the condemned Pompey creeps a pace into the hearts of such as we have not thrived upon the present state. Um, and we start to kind of get the, this is a call to arms at this point, um, that Antony the soldier has to re-emerge um, because there is threat um, in terms of civil swords in Italy, and there's approaches to the port of Rome. There's a threat to the, the to the triumvirate and Antony must um, essentially address it urgently. It's, it's a concept of, of honour and reputation at this point. Um, he uses language, if you look, he says, um, upon the present state whose numbers threaten and quietness grown sick of rest would purge by any desperate change. Um, the, the language there, the metaphor of illness um, and um, essentially plague, essentially, is used to describe the civil unrest. Um, and what he's kind of suggesting at that point is that this conflict has corrupted Rome, um, the body of Rome, if we look at it as being personified, and that he must go and be a healing force. That's really stressed. Um, and he essentially then at the end, he says, and also, you should be safe to know that my wife is dead, Fulvia's death. Um, but what we see is a controlled, calm, businesslike and matter-of-fact Antony, who stresses not the emotional connection first with, with Cleopatra, but actually stresses that um, this is his duty. His duty, his duty has to, um, to take uh, precedence at this point. Now, if we look, we think that, you know, right, that's pretty reasonable. Um, Antony's not really suggesting anything that is unreasonable at this point. Um, and Cleopatra responds, you know, saying, can Fulvia die? Um, here's just one, she's dead, my queen. That pronoun um, is essentially that personal pronoun. He's appealing to her um, emotions and to her affection at that point and that his affection lies with her. Um, she then later inverts it. So he gives her the letters and goes, here you go, you know, see where and when she died. And he says, she says, oh, most false love. Um, she inverts it. So she's like, why aren't you crying then? She says, well, because I see that you're not crying at your wife's death, then actually I see how mine received she'll be. Um, you know, he doesn't um, mourn Fulvia in the way that she feels is appropriate. So she challenges him as whether his feelings for her will um, get the same reception. Um, and you can see again that kind of the complexity of uh, the relationship, but actually the um, the, the the emotional um, kind of, instability of Cleopatra she's not the most rational of people um and then if we have a little look on through um he says you know quarrel no more be prepared to know in other words he's like I haven't got time for this I go from hence thy soldier servant making peace of war as thou effects in other words he kind of submits in many ways to her um that these are the um the, these are the reasons why he does that and that triple helps to emphasize it Cleopatra goes back to her stupid silly games cut my lace army and come so let it be um in other words you know i'm quickly ill and well so anthony loves um in other words like look how quickly i can get sick again and actually that's how quickly anthony can change describing him as being fickle essentially um and 
he responds, you know, my precious queen forbear. Um, again, that kind of um, my stresses that maybe is he frustrated at her fakeness and her falsehood. I think he's acutely aware she's playing games at this point. Um, and he's much more controlled and calm um, compared to her um, emotional turmoil and her heat and her unpredictability in terms of her response. Um and she she goes back as well, um, and she says, you know, so Fulvia told me, I probably turn aside and weep for her, then bid adieu to me. She's kind of essentially your two-faced leave. Um, she then describes play one scene of excellent dissembling. Um, in other words, like you played one scene as a lover um, and let it look like perfect honour. And there's irony there because he has actually played one scene as a lover. It was act one, scene one. So there's an element of irony in, in her language at that point. His response, you'll heat my blood. In other words, he's getting, she's getting under his skin. Um, he's actually quite angry at that point and he tries to stop it no more. Um, she keeps acting, acting as well. So you can do better yet, but this is meatly. She's just provoking him and, and kind of um, irritating him at this point. And again, that interruption, now by my sword and target, still he mends. Um, she won't drop it at this point um and he she uses this imagery again look pretty charming and how this herculean roman does become the carriage of his chief um and at that point again using that idea of how um a once strong honorable man is now kind of fallen to just an angry man at that point she says um and there is a little bit of an, an irony irony potentially in that mythological reference to hercules um uh, because there were, um, in, in in some accounts, Antony um, was claimed descent from Anton, who was the son of Hercules. Um, so there's a little bit of a historical reference potentially to that um, that metaphor that she uses. Um, Antony is fed up. He says, I'll leave you later. And then she changes her tone um, and, it, and it shifts because she realises essentially her emotional games haven't worked. Um, but what we've seen at this point is in their relationship, Cleopatra is a dominant, passionate and emotional force to be reckoned with. Um, and that Antony kind of is somewhat maybe diminished in her light um, as, a, as an officer. Um, he's much more the, the Roman at this point. He's much more sturdy and rational where she is emotional. And again, that might be another little juxtaposition and contrast between East and West. Um, Rome is associated with rational thought, with logic, with strategy, whereas Egypt is the opposite of all of those things. It's pleasure, it's emotion, and it's love, it's passion, all of those differences. And then Cleopatra's voice says, courteous Lord, she, she turns to being much more um, emotional and using flattery at this point compared to insulting him over and over and over again in, in, the, in the previous bit. Um, and she says, sir, you and I must part, but that's not it. Sir, you and I have love, but there's not it. And actually that little phrase suggests that she's kind of struggling to find the words to say goodbye. Um, she says something, it is, I would, oh, my oblivion, oblivion is a very Antony and I am all forgotten. Um, and actually it suggests that she's kind of lost words to describe a goodbye or a, a proper farewell. Um, and actually she's also worried that she will be all forgotten too um, if, if she's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, she feels kind of abandoned by him at this point. Um, 
And Anthony says, but your royalty holds idleness or shut down or shall take for idleness itself. Um, and Cleopatra begs for forgiveness in the next bit, but sir, forgive me since my becomings kill me when they do not, I will to you. Um, and actually what we get at the end of the scene is that Cleopatra kind of reclaims a little bit of dignity back when she apologizes. Um, and she says, you know, my becomings kill me when they do not, I will. So in other words, when you look at me and judge me negatively, then then I am not myself. Um, so she apologizes. She says, your honor calls you hence. That's a really big quotation as well be deaf to my unpitied folly so in other words i'm being stupid um of course you need to go honor calls you and she then kind of almost sends a prayer all the gods go with you um and that imagery of a hero is connoted with that upon your sword sit laurel victory so the laurel um that would have been like a crown of um leaves that was um iconography that's uh, that's um synonymous with heroism um she kind of essentially wishes him success um and he leaves and he says, um, our separation so abides and flies that thou residing here goes yet with me. Um, and that lovely juxtaposition that he says, you know, despite our distance geographically, we are still together. Hence, I fleeting here remain with thee. Um, and there is kind of a much greater sense of resolution between the couple at the very end of it. Um, but this is a good scene to kind of work out um, our contrasting responses to Cleopatra um as a as an audience um is she sympathetic um is she needy um is she someone more frustrated by is she someone more intrigued by can she be all of those things at the same time um so yeah that's act one scene three um if you just want to make sure that you've got all of those little notes down then um in the next episode we'll talk about act one scene four can i ask in advance that you read through the scene that you answer the questions and again watch the scene on digital theater plus and uh, we leave egypt and we now move to rome um in which we get to meet caesar and lepidus and there's a real striking difference both in terms of um iconography in terms of uh, characters attitude and emotions so that's worthwhile keeping an eye out for too um so yeah join me then see you soon